Hey guys, it's Alexa Colby and this is Women, the podcast. In 2016, I started a blog writing to everyday women to love themselves and pursue their purpose in life. Fast forward to 2020, I became insecure in my body and felt I didn't fit the mold of a female entrepreneur. I didn't follow my own advice and I put all my dreams to the side because I believed my story wasn't enough. Three years later, I allowed myself to be vulnerable and opened up about this journey and haven't looked back since. This podcast is about creating space for women to share their story of how they got to where they are today, what they did to knock down disbelief, and what they want to tell other women. It's also going to be about entrepreneurship, motherhood, overcoming imposter syndrome, gaining confidence, and believing you are worthy of going for your dreams. You can expect to hear from me each week. We will be sharing stories from women who are authors, entrepreneurs, business owners, mothers, leaders, and everyday women who've done great things and how you too can build a beautiful life that others will be inspired by. I started this podcast because for many years, I believed my story wasn't worth telling and who I am wasn't enough to pursue my purpose of writing. I fell into the lie that the way I looked determined my success, and I was just a girl from a typical town who couldn't do big things. I want to be the person that helps you believe that you are meant for more, the same person I needed so long ago for myself. To be the voice that says you don't need to lose the weight first, you don't need to have a large Instagram following to tell your story, and you have a beautiful gift that this world needs you to use. I hope you are inspired to love and embrace the beautiful woman God created you to be. Welcome to Women. Hello, Jamie. Welcome hey. to Women. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to I'm be excited part of this. I know. I'm really I'm excited. Mostly, I'm excited for the podcast and for like our talk that we're going to have today, but I'm mostly excited for you and what you're doing and what you're growing and trying to put out there. I'm excited to be a little part of that. So thank, thank you, you for letting me just be a little piece of your journey. Yeah, no, I'm really appreciative because seriously, like you're one of the first people I'm like, she's written a book and she's right in my hometown. Like she's <laughs> awesome. Because <laughs> uh, like well, for me, like I want to write a book one day and to like know somebody who's done that. I mean, it's just so inspiring. So thank you. Well, let me tell you, if I can do it, you can do it. You <laughs> know, it wasn't easy, but yeah. It is possible. Yeah, it is possible. And I believe in you and I believe that you will do it. In fact, I was looking when I stepped over to my bookshelf, there's a book um, for Jen. Um, oh, my goodness. What is her last name? <laughs> Jen Johnson okay. from Bethel. She wrote a book called All Things, All Things Lovely. And it's just like a home book. And it's got different things about how to, you know, being a mom, being a parent, whatever. I could totally see you doing something that like that yeah. and like laying all that out and just uh, putting all your, your blogs and things in between all this other stuff. I think, I think you're already writing your book with your So thank you. You've already started. <laughs> That's what they say is like, take what you're already writing Mm -hmm. and put it together you know so yeah. well thank you so yeah. sweet and well nice oh, it's not once and done right yeah you don't have to just write one book you can write yeah. multiple books so the world's your oyster alexa well, i guess we're gonna find out today if you're writing another book well maybe maybe <laughs> maybe okay, i'm researching it you know the thing is is that you gotta sometimes you gotta live through some things the lord yeah. did tell me i'm gonna be writing a book 
Um, <laughs> but I was like, I don't even know where to start with this topic. And he's putting me in situations to start. I'm doing field research. That's what it feels like right now. So yeah. we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Well, um, on this podcast, we just want to want you to tell your story of how you got to where you are today. And because um, I believe other women need to hear it. I feel like as women, we go through life thinking that we're too mediocre or too like our life's too simple to go and do big things. Mm -hmm. And so um, you're just you're somebody that I know you're my cousin's best friend and you're <laughs> able to do such big things, you know, and that's so inspiring. So um, I guess we'll just start off with tell me about Jamie and maybe just kind of what got you started on this path. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a mom, I am a wife, I am a daughter of the king, you know, the Lord is very central to who I am. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I guess to kind of just, <laughs> I was laughing, you mentioned Kathy, my best friend, and I was like, should it be like David Copperfield, like, I was born, <laughs> you know, like that's how his that book starts. <laughs> yeah. I was born. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I need to go that far back. But <laughs> for this journey, <laughs> I, you know, I had had, um, so I have my two children and they're born pretty close together. They're about 20 months apart. Mm -hmm. And after I had had my second child, I, I just was not okay. Like I struggled with just depression. I was overwhelmed. You know, my husband works a second shift. So, or like he works afternoons and evenings. So it's kind of like being a single parent. Mm -hmm. um, I was feeling very overwhelmed and stressed and um, just depressed. And I remember going to um, my OB doctor and she, she said it was for my checkup after I had my youngest Ella. And she said, how are you doing? And I just ah, feel like it was just like the, the little crack enough to like, let the, let the waters flow. And I just started crying and I'm like, I'm okay. You know, like yeah. I, it just, you know how it is. Like you got a kid, you're sleep deprived, you know, they both weren't sleeping through the night. Ella had a lot of health problems. Um, thankfully, she's good now, but she, you know, had five surgeries in five years. So oh. it was just a lot of stuff. And and so uh, she said to me, it was the best advice that I ever got. Um, from well, at least from a physician for sure. She mm -hmm. said to me, not that. I shouldn't say that physicians have given me lots of good advice. This one, this <laughs> I give it to me. Really life changing. This was really life changing. She okay. said to me, she goes, you know, Jamie, I could treat you for postpartum. I could give you, you know, medication, but what I really think that you need is you need to remember who you are. You've become this mom, you've become this wife, you've become, you know, I was a project manager at the time, you yeah. you have this career, whatever, but you need to know who you are. Yeah. You've lost sight of Jamie. And so um, she said, I'm going to prescribe. You can give this to your husband or whoever needs to see it, but you need three hours a week to yourself to do pursue whatever it is that you need to pursue in order to discover who rediscover who you are. Wow. And I was I just like, up over that. 
I was like, me too. I was like, <laughs> this is exactly what I need. And I took her, I took her at her word. She told me, she's like, pray, exercise, do a class, like whatever you want to do, but just do you. Yeah. Um, and so that really kind of started a journey um, for me to really take care of myself, yeah. to love myself, to be kind to myself. You know, as a woman, we take on a lot of guilt. We take on a lot of responsibility. We are very hard on ourselves. We're our worst critic. Mm -hmm. And that time for me became about just learning how to love myself, which is very hard because we've never, I never grew up learning that I should even do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so after that, I, you know, still was searching Um, for me, like I said, the Lord is very central to my life. And so I started to really search and ask him like, what is your plan for me? What is your purpose for me? Um, and I remember watching um, that movie, Heaven is for Real. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't know if I've seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So in the movie, um, the whole movie is kind of about them trying to figure out if this boy really went to heaven or not. And mm-hmm. so he kept saying that he had seen Jesus and they kept showing him pictures and book. Is this what you saw? Because they're trying to say maybe he saw a picture and he just remembers the picture and he's kind of making it up or whatever. But at the end of the movie, they're in New York and they're, they see this painting that was painted by, I think she was eight years old. And that Jesus had visited her and showed her to paint this Um, to paint this picture of him. Her parents were atheists, so she had never even known who Jesus was, is. um, And he said, that's the painting, or that's who, that's what Jesus looks like. You know, he didn't even know the backstory of the little girl that painted it or whatever. So I was like looking at this painting and I was just like staring and I just, I got really overwhelmed with, I could be literally staring in the eyes of Jesus right now. And I just cried. And I was like, Lord, I know that you have a life plan for me. I know that I have a destiny. I know that I have a purpose. I need you to tell me your plan. Yeah. I'm I'm a project manager. I like plans. I like timelines. <laughs> I like schedules. I yeah. like all that stuff. Um, you know, I like lists. I like checking off my lists. I, you know, I like all that stuff. Yeah. But in God's wisdom, <laughs> He told me that I didn't need to worry about the plan. I just needed to say yes when He asked me to. And I said, okay, I can do that. I can, I can say yes. And everything else was just a series of opportunities that I chose to say yes to. I had a friend that was working for a woman, her name's Shalice Jimenez, who has a um, a company called Rethink where she teaches people, she walks them through this process with the Lord to discover who they are. Mm-hmm. And so when my friend called me, it was like, Jamie, I felt like the Lord wanted me to invite you to be in this program. I was like, yes. When Kathy called me and said she was taking over the youth group at our church and she said, can you be our youth leader? I said, yes. And so I just said, yes, when the Lord asked me to. 
Mm -hmm. And um, through Rethink, um, I really discovered that my purpose is around mobilizing the church and reforming the church and helping them to reconnect to his heart for humanity. That there's so much more. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church. Mm -hmm. And so I even remember having one conversation with him and being like, um, again, Lord, what is your plan for my life? And instead of telling me, he asked me a question and he said, well, how many churches are in your town? And I was like, I don't know, hundred. <laughs> there's a lot know. here. <laughs> a lot. There's a lot. Um, there's actually 68 in the Monroe city proper. I do Holy, know that now. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few. Um, and, and so I said, I don't know, hundred. And he's like, huh? Or I think I said 200. And then he said, well, how many people are in that, um, are in those churches? And I was like, I don't know, a hundred. And he was <laughs> like, huh? I wonder how much good those people could do if they were mobilized into their community. And it was mm -hmm. like, I got hit by a lightning bolt. And I was like, oh my gosh, you are totally right. And I had just started school at that time to, I was getting a degree in public health. And I don't know, the Lord just kept taking me down this journey to understand his heart for people, to understand his heart for the church, but also the areas that we have not really represented him well in. Um, in a in a way that wasn't, I'm not angry at the church. I'm not judging them or criticizing them. I'm not upset. It's, it's just sort of like, Hey, we got some work to do. So like, let's, let's yeah. just get it done, you know? Yeah. And part of me processing all of that and really trying to understand all this stuff that I felt like God was teaching me married with all the stuff I was learning in school from a secular perspective about communities and inequality and you know all that kind of stuff and then being in ministry and how the church operates and how god wants them to be addressing these issues um that's really what my book became about it's really just me processing with the lord all of these things that he had been talking to me about yeah. um, related to my purpose but also related to the purpose of the church. Yeah. So you wrote that book. When did you write the book, Moved by Compassion? Um, oh gosh, this is why I need Kathy. Kathy's like <laughs> my, uh, my Emily Blunt in a Devil Wears Prada, you know, like sometimes I feel like I'm Meryl Streep and Kathy's like, this is so-and-so, they're married to so-and-so, you met them at this place. <laughs> She remembers all the details. <laughs> I'm just like the big, you know, the big picture person. But I think I, I know, I mean, I got my book right here. I published it, I think, in 2019. I was gonna say because I think 2020, first printing 2020. Yeah, yeah. We had um we had talked and we had like a few conversations back in 2020, and then mm -hmm. I'd stopped writing for a while, but yeah, so okay. Yeah. So it was in 2020. So I was doing that program in 2019, 2018 ish, doing that program about finding my purpose. I was working full time. I had two small children. I was going to school part time and I wrote a book. 
Wow. How I did it. I have the Lord. It was supernatural work. I have no idea how I was able to do that, but somehow he made it happen. And I graduated with honors. That's <laughs> so, awesome. I mean, you know, he, he will give us what we need to sustain us um, in, in the things that he's called us to do. So, yeah. And when we actually like tap into the gifts that he's given us, mm-hmm. we actually follow through. Like, it's just crazy how it just all comes through. Yeah. So, okay. So you got the idea to write the book and you wrote the book. So what, I guess, um, did you write the book first and then you started the move by compassion page or? Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of was all, I was figuring that all out in parallel with each other, but I definitely Mm -hmm. wrote the book first. Yeah. Um, because that's really, like I said, I had to process everything that I was like feeling and thinking and, um, yeah, I just, it was like, I can just even feel that emotion. So like even writing the book, oh, I, what I wanted to say before is that God does use your giftings. And when you're using your giftings, it stops feeling like work because you're passionate about it. And so it even becomes a little fun. There's moments where I'm feel like I'm hitting a wall and that doesn't feel so fun. Mm -hmm. But once that barrier gets moved, all this stuff doesn't feel like work to me. Um, But my, so I wrote my book and then while I was writing that book, I was getting clarification around what is, you know, does the Lord want me to start a ministry? Does he just want me to, by then I was a outreach director at my church. Do you want me to just stay in leadership in the church? Um, like what, what are you calling me to? And so eventually, um, it became clear that he wanted me to do two things. Um, so the first is move by compassion Academy, which is a coaching and consulting business that I have where I enroll pastors and church leaders to engage in my curriculum and also coaching in order to help their church define, what I call their kingdom assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul in Corinthians, he talks about a metron or a sphere of influence. And so I believe that every church has a sphere of influence. Every person does too, but every church has a sphere of influence and that God has purposefully um, put a church in a place and brought the people to that place in order to fulfill that purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I help them figure that out. Um, and it's practical. I would say it's like practically supernatural because I'm a practical person. I'm very pragmatic. I, um, I love data. You know, I was a quality improvement coach for a long time. So I have that very systematic way of thinking about things. Um, but the other part is supernatural because we want, I want to see churches move away from doing, just good things. There's a lot of good things that churches do to doing God things, because when we can do God things, we can literally see communities transformed. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and that's really what we want. So um, I help churches do that. The second thing is um, I am in the process. We've started meeting, we've been meeting for a couple of years, but I haven't finished the paperwork yet to be a nonprofit and it's called city church project. 
And that's really about bringing the body of Christ together in a geographical area um, to come together to address community issues. Um, so right now in Monroe, we have a lot of things that are going on, different um, things related to drug use and the occult and things like that. So we're coming together to talk about how do we strategically pray for our community, but also what equipping do we need to do um, to educate people and to help them love those people into the community. And it's, um, you know, that's really what it, what it's about. Cause no matter who we think our enemy is, God wants that person in the kingdom. So yeah. we have to, um, partner with him in that. So th those are the two things that the Lord, um, has asked me to do. Yeah. So back to the book, you wrote that without like having any publishers lined up or anything. Mm -mm. Where did you get that? Like, just, <laughs> I'm just going to write a book. Like that's so insane. Um, I mean, I was in that, I was in that program. I was working with Shalise, you know, she's still my mentor. I still meet with her, um, every week, which is amazing. Um, you know, I had always kind of felt like I wanted to write a book, like even in high school, you know, I, I would always do it. In fact, I didn't do AP English because I was, I knew I wanted to write something, but I knew that it was a requirement to write a novella yeah. in our AP English course at my high school. And so I was so afraid and intimidated by that, that I didn't do AP English. <laughs> I just did regular English and, you know, honestly didn't even really work that hard. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I shied away from it. So I think to, you know, answer your question about where did I get the idea for a book? I think that the Lord had always placed that passion in me. Yeah. Um, but what I did end up doing is, um, taking a, taking a class that gave me a framework for wow. how to approach writing a book. Um, and so I felt like once I had the steps that I needed to take, yeah. um, I was able to, you know, work through those steps and, and figure out how to put all this stuff together. Yeah. You know, when you write a book, the first thing that you do is you, well, the first thing that I had, what I did is I did an exercise where I just wrote on a hundred different post-it notes, ideas of topics mm -hmm. or thoughts or whatever. And then I started organizing those um, those post-it notes by like category. And so ideally you want to have like 10 chapters and there's like a format for that, you know, agitating the problems, solving the problem. Like there's a framework for that. And so I just took those stickies and I started like sorting them and it helped me see where I might have a gap in my thinking. And so I wrote more sticky notes and then that kind of gave me my chapters and then I named my chapters and, you know, kind of like worked from there. That's awesome. So yeah. having a framework really helps then. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, what exactly. do I do? Do I just like start typing <laughs> words on <Yeah>. a page? <laughs> yeah. And but, yeah. actually there's a lot of uh, book writing courses out there now. Um, I know one woman that Kathy and I really love is H Havala Cunnington, okay. Cunning Cunnington. 
And um, she has a book writing course where you write your first draft in, um, I think, 30 days. Wow. So, That's cool. um, but I, I, I appreciate that kind of help. Like I yeah. needed somebody to just, if you tell me the steps, I'll follow the steps. I mean, there was a couple chapters that I had to write multiple times um, just because I just got really stuck and I needed to clarify my vision, like clarify my thoughts. Um, and then once you have your draft, you get an editor. And I, I worked with an editor. Um, actually, it was one of my um, professors from school um, who did editing on the side. And so he and I met and we worked through the content and he really um, helped me kind of clarify a lot of the things that I was trying to say. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so funny when you start diving into things, how other people just start popping up and can mm -hmm. help you through it. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. it just tells a testimony of just like, never be afraid to just go in because the right people will come along. But yeah. um, in your book, Moved by Compassion, what what is the story you want to tell people in that book? What is the main, I mean, there's probably a lot of different points that you want to hit, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that if I had to sum it up into maybe a sentence, it is a call to action to the church to be the church. Mm -hmm. It is not anything new. I, I don't think it's anything new. Maybe it's new because I've brought in some of the public health stuff. But if you really read through scripture, it's just bringing back um, to the forefront Jesus's mission. You know, when he before he started his ministry, he went out into the desert and he was tempted. But when he came back, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to help the blind see and to set the captives free. Yeah. And to me, that that is also our mission. We're picking up the baton of what Jesus wanted us to do. He didn't come out of the desert saying, I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to discern what everybody's doing right and wrong. And I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I don't know, create a building where we can learn about that. I don't know. <laughs> he, you know, there was work that needed to be done. And I believe that we are in a, a time in the world where mm -hmm. evil is being called good and good is being called evil. Oh, and yeah. so there's no time like the present to um to take up that mantle that jesus has set for us to spread the good news so yeah that's i would have to say that's more than one sentence but that's what my no. book is about <laughs> no it was beautiful and so is that where the name came from moved by compassion yeah gosh i'm gonna have to it it's so part of who i am now that honestly i can't even remember where I got it from. Cause it's such a powerful title, you know, like you're moved by compassion. Like you're mm -hmm. literally going forth and doing things because of a feeling like it, like, and it's a feeling that like overwhelms you, mm -hmm. you know, I'm like tearing up thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's, that's the meaning of the word that, 
they didn't even have a word to describe it in scripture. They had to make up a word to describe the level of emotion that Jesus felt for people that he, it wasn't just about feeling sad for someone or thinking, Oh, it'd be nice to help them. But he was compelled. Yeah. He was compelled to work on behalf of those people that he, he saw were suffering. So, um, yeah, but I don't remember how I came up with that title. I think it, I don't know. The Lord must have given it to me. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. It, I mean, it does become a part of you and it's really, I, I don't know. I think the Lord can speak to us and it's just like, yeah, this is, this is what it's going to be called. Mm -hmm. You know, like even with the podcast, this podcast, I was like, what do I want to call this? You know? And I'm just like coming up with all these catchy things. And it's like, no, it needs to be called this. Mm -hmm. And then you like start looking and researching and you're like, okay, nobody's taken this name. Nobody's mm -hmm. taken the name of this book. And you're like, okay, well, things are just kind of like falling together. If you can hear my dogs, I'm sorry. I got two German. Can you hear them? Mm -mm, no. Okay, good. I'm just going to keep talking then. Okay. <laughs> I got two German shepherds and they're just like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> I the know background. it's like everybody's quiet until mom gets on the phone oh and then gosh. it's, yeah, I know. All day to uh, the podcast earlier, my daughter kept opening the door and I'm like, is anybody watching? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's just like a really powerful title because like compassion is just that it really is an overwhelming feeling. Like when you're, when you show compassion towards somebody, like it's, it takes over. And um, I think that's a feeling that many of us don't have mm -hmm. these days yeah. and um uh we're all about ourselves <laughs> and that's hard you know yeah. so um then with you're working with people of like who are in the church and whatnot mm -hmm. so what when you say doing god things over good things what are some of those things that you want to see change within the church yeah. Um, people can get really confused. Yeah, so much. Well, I think that part of um, what I, it, it's sort of like, I'm just trying to get all these thoughts together. Yeah, okay. um, there's a lot of things that I would like to see change in the church. I think first, before we can be moved by compassion, I think that the church needs to really get healthy. And there needs yeah. to be a level of inner healing, a level of maturity, um, a level of um, changing mindsets. You know, one of the biggest mindset that I come up against in the church is poverty mindset. We, yeah. um, you know, the whole culture of church and money is it's like the church is a pauper that we have to beg and plead for people to give us their money. And um, my thing is, well, when you're doing kingdom work, people want to give you money. They want to invest in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. The reason why you have to beg for it is that people aren't seeing the fruit of their gift. Yeah. A lot of times, not all the time. Um, but the other part of it is because we've been so conditioned by the world and how to think about money, we don't make we don't take risks unless we see how it's going to get done. So for example, 
if God said, I want to actually, I just talked to a church today. This guy was like, I hope that he ends up working with me because I was like, did we just become best friends? You know, like that, <laughs> you know, when you get that connection. With yeah. That yeah. Person? Um, but the Lord told him he want, they want him to build this hope center. And some people might see that and be like, I can't do that. I don't have any money. My church is too small. People aren't really even tithing. They da, 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 whatever. And that's not how we're supposed to think in the kingdom. Yeah. God said that he would open up his good treasury in the middle of a desert. God, <laughs> the first tabernacle, I think it was like all the, the gold and silver. It was like over, it was like millions of dollars. And somehow in the middle of the desert, God was able to bring all of those materials to Moses to build it, mm -hmm. you know? And so I would say poverty mindset is one of the biggest challenges in the church, because when we think like that, we can't be generous. Yeah. If you're worried, oh, if I pay this person's mortgage this month, I'm not going to be able to pay my um, light bill or whatever it is, or I'm not going to be able to get my new audio technology things mm -hmm. that I need or whatever. Not that those things are bad, but if we if we have that mindset of scarcity, we tend not to be generous because we're afraid that if we give that money, we won't have what we need later. Yeah. And that's not the kingdom. Yeah. And it's, I've heard this before from people and um, I don't know if you agree with it, but it's like, if the Lord can't trust us with money, how can he give us what more of what we need? If we're like, so held on to how much money we see physically mm -hmm. and just like not believe that it will come or like, you know, I mean, it's not like a manifesting mindset. It's more of just like, if this is supposed to be, it will, it will be. Mm -hmm. And we, how can we be trusted if we're so, if we're hoarders of it, if we're just hoarders of like, Oh no, I can't do this or yeah. That. Well, so, it's kind of like bearing the talent. Yeah. Like in the parable, yeah. actually on my coaching call today with one of my pastors, he brought up that parable and he, he had kind of asked the Lord, well, why did you give one servant five talents and the other one, one? And he said, and he felt like the spirit had revealed to him that the per the one that got five had already proven himself. And so he had given him more. Yeah. And so the more that we are, um, the more that we step into this place of faith and trust in the Lord, the more that he will actually entrust to us. Yeah. He's not going to give us all those things if we bury it all for a mm -hmm. rainy day. Yep. Um, there was one church that I had talked to and uh, that had, I think, a thousand people in their church. They had tons of money. And they were like, oh, well, we can't afford to do that. And I'm like, how can, yes, you can. It's just a matter of choosing, um, you know, what, it's a matter of choosing what you think is important to invest to or, in or not really is mm -hmm. what it comes down to. But even in that, the Lord should be directing what that priority is. Yeah. Um, and so we've gotten really caught up into the business and running running things from even a middle-class mindset of um, that even money is meant to be managed. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we want to be responsible. I'm not saying that people should just go and be nonchalant with their money. I think the right. point is, is live, making decisions from this place that whatever resources you need, um, and this is personally or as a church or for your business or whatever it is, whatever you need, God already has it. And he knows that you need it. And if you really step out and trust him as your provider, you will have everything that you need. Yeah. And it will come in the most miraculous ways. I mean, Rob and I, uh, I had left my job. I was making six figures. I had a really great job. I loved my job. I loved the people that I worked with. I had a really great thing coming. And the Lord said, I need you to leave it. Wow. Yep. And it took me a year. And actually, probably he told me three years before it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have been two years that I left, but I fought him on it for about a year. Mm-hmm. And I left. And the Lord has had shown up for, for our family in the most miraculous of ways. I mean, there was a conference that the Lord had told me to go to. And I was like, I can't afford to go to that. Like, you know, I got to fly there. I got to get a hotel. I got to, you know, it's not just going to the conference, you know, it's all of that. And he was like, I want you to go and I don't want you to spare any expense. Mm -hmm. And so I flew first class. I was like, okay, Lauren, I'll fly first class. I mean, it was just to <laughs> Chicago, so it wasn't like that much money. But yeah, I was like, I'll take the upgrade. If you told me to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I ended up going there and, and meeting someone who ended up investing in me. And in this dream, they gave us $10,000. Oh, my gosh. And that money really helped us in a time where, you know, we didn't have any, I mean, my husband has a job, but like we were used to living on a whole nother income and Mm -hmm. it had been cut in half. And so that was so helpful for us. Or another time we wanted to do this thing. Um, It was another conference, but it was for our whole family. And I was like, I don't know, Lord, like that's again, it's, we don't really have the money and whatever. He's like, yes, you do. And we ended up going, but two weeks before we went, we got a check from the IRS that they owed us money for the exact amount of money that we ended up spending on this trip that we were going on. Wow. So he, God will provide in ways that only God can provide. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of life is learning to believe and to trust God's character and who he says that he is. And God has said that he is provider. So that is a huge thing that I think the church needs to change. Um, But in terms of like outward compassion, I think that the church needs to, we need to, um, I feel like I'm going to say this and it's going to make a lot of people mad. It's like, (laughs) but like, hear me out. Okay. Giveaways, like giving turkeys away at Thanksgiving and book bags when school start. Those are nice things to do. They're nice. They're nice. But if our goal is to meet a need, then that goal has been met. But if our goal is to build the kingdom, we have to do so much more. 
we have to develop ministries that are focused around relationship, meeting needs, because there are needs that need to be met, but we need to do it in a way that is relational. Mm -hmm. Because city transformation is about wholeness. It's about helping people get wholeness because that's when Jesus said that I come to give you life in abundance. Yeah. That's abundance. It's not money. I mean, maybe it is sometimes, but it is wholeness in our life, relationally, mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, having everything in your life in place. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's easy. I'm, I'm really glad you said that though, because it's, easy to do the backpacks mm -hmm. it's easy to do the turkeys mm -hmm. it's easy to do the bottles and fill up bottles full of change and not saying that doesn't make an impact mm -hmm. but it's not we're not just like trying to change people's situations or trying to change their hearts yeah yeah you know? and at the end of the day well here's another doozy <laughs> i love it, it <laughs> It really, those things are really about us because what happens yeah. after we do that is we go back and we think, oh, wow, I feel so great. Yeah. I feel so great. It makes me feel so good that I did something nice for someone. And, and, and the, I'm not, it's like, yes, it does feel good to help people. But when we do those things, it really becomes about us and about saying, look at how, look at what we did. We're so great. We're so nice. Mm -hmm. But when we do handouts like that, it's actually hurting people in some cases yeah. because we're not empowering them. And we're creating this di power dynamic that reaffirms to them that they're less than, that they're in inferior, that they're not capable of providing for themselves instead of doing something that is more empowering and helps point them towards Christ and them learning their identity yeah. and who they were created to be and what their purpose was. Just like my doctor, she could have given me a pill and sent yeah. me on my way and that would have checked off her box and she would have felt like she did a good job that day, but she did the harder thing, which was to challenge me and empower me to take ownership of my own life. Yeah. And that changed me forever. Yeah. And then like, when you talk about it, just kind of, it's really eye opening because we're not just talking about like the leaders of the church. Like, yes, we want them to do that. But we're talking about, like you're saying, like the body of Christ, the people who are going and sitting in the chairs every Sunday, mm -hmm. you know, and people like me. And it's me. like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm like, that's what I'm called to do is to spread that. And, you know, I fill up, I'm saying that stuff about the bottles and the backpacks because that's what I do. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm calling myself out, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah. and I've done it too. Yeah. You know, and it does meet a need. I mean, at the end of the day, the kids need backpacks and they need school supplies. Yeah. And so there is a, a place for that. But if that's all we do, we're not really accomplishing what the Lord wants us to accomplish. Yeah. Because he cares about their hearts. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so, um, you know, just an example, one of the churches that I work with, they, um, you know, they were doing uh, dinners for senior citizens 
every day or every month. Um, and they were doing it consistently, which was great. And it was meeting a need for the community, um, yeah. a very real need. I mean, elderly people often have fixed incomes. They don't, they have food insecurity. Um, but I challenged them to be more intentional about building relationships. And so they did, they stopped just serving and cooking the food, but they made room for them to actually sit and have dinner and break bread with the seniors that they were feeding. And so they started developing relationships and now the Lord is leading them to, um, to building a mentorship program. So they have a lot of senior citizens that live near their church, but they also have a school that has some high risk, uh, or at risk kids. And so they want to pair the seniors with the students to develop a mentorship program. And their church would be a hub for the mentors and the mentees, but also the mentees families. So they're building relationship, they're equipping, they're creating space to be able to share the gospel. um, and, And they're able to connect with them in a real way. So a problem that the church has done for a long time is that we want numbers. A successful event is if we get numbers and loads and loads of people, right? A hundred people showed up, 200 people showed up. That's great. Um, But we have to start thinking quantity of connect or quality of connection over quantity. Mm -hmm. Because we don't want this inch deep mile wide. Jesus told us that we're supposed to go and make disciples. You can't make 200 disciples. Jesus couldn't do it and neither can we, Mm-mm. right? He had 12. <laughs> so that's, uh, I think that the the question that you'd ask me is what does the church need to change and what do they need to do to be mobilized and moved by compassion? Yeah. Um, those are the things that that I think need to to shift. It's a whole cultural change. We're trailblazing. We're going back to the Acts, the book of Acts. And what did that look like? It was on a much smaller scale. It was more community and family. And um, it's very different than our culture today. So um, I think it's exciting, but that means that there's a lot of uh, tilling the ground. And so that's Mm -hmm. when, you know, it can be frustrating sometimes, but I I know the Lord is... um, He's going to water those seeds that we're planting, right? Yep. So. Yeah. And so it's like, you're not saying like, don't stop doing all that stuff. But when you do it, you want to build the relationships through it. Not just yeah. give. And that like, I think that's scary for a lot of people. Because yeah. I feel like COVID has made us so... Uh, what is the word? Like, we just can't be vulnerable anymore. Like, we're just, <laughs> we don't want to open up. Yeah. We just want it to look all good. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's like we've lost our ability to be able to build relationships with people. I mean, mm-hmm. I even see it. Yeah. With, like, I grew up in the same church that I'm going to now. And just, you just see, I mean, there's been a series of events that have happened in the past and um there's just such walls up mm-hmm. anymore like people they give because they're like well this is the right thing to do rather than mm-hmm. and that's not that's not the heart the lord wants us to give from 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I've even noticed that like within my own life and whatnot. And just, you know, I mean, we, we had a series of events that happened at our church that like really scarred us. Mm-hmm. I mean, scarred my family, scarred a lot of our people. And, um, I think even when Been that there. happens, yeah, even when that happens, like the, dis- the discouragement just takes over and it's like, mm-hmm. how am I to ever get that vulnerable again? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Jesus did mm-hmm. over and over, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And it really goes back to, um, you know, this is another maybe fundamental shift too is really rooting ourselves and finding our identity in Christ and not necessarily, not that it's, of course, things happen and it hurts our feelings. Yeah. Um, But what I see uh, is sometimes people will leave church and they'll be angry and they'll be hurt. And, or they'll, if a leader leaves, then they're going to leave because the leader they like isn't there anymore or whatever. And what we really need to do is we need to be following Jesus. The Lord has like kept me in some places where I was not happy for a long time, but there was so much that I learned in those situations too. And so, um, oh, what do I want to say to button this up? It's, uh, he's moving us into this place of radical, radically following him, no matter what it looks like, no matter Mm -hmm. if people, um, hurt us, no matter if people, um, don't validate us, uh, if people are mad at us, if, you know, whatever it is that it has to be all about him. Yeah. Because if it's all about him and it's not about us, the offense and the division and, you know, all those other things, they kind of start to pale in comparison, you know? Yeah. And it kind of gets everybody rowing in the, in the same direction. Yeah. It just all all kind of just like falls away. Cause Mm -hmm. like we said earlier, like it's not about us. It's about him. Mm -hmm. And then it's about also reaching others and whatnot. And this is just like really, heavy topics and i'm really glad that you like you're talking about them because this is something that i myself have tried to talk about with so long with like how i just feel like we're just kind of mediocre in the way that we're doing church these days mm-hmm. and um i'm obviously not doing anything about it but <laughs> um so you are you're having me on podcast to talk yeah. about it <laughs> True. Yes. Being open and, yeah. you know, willing to have the tough conversation. So yeah. And that's it's, something. Yeah. And um, it's just, it's just really moving, you know, to like, know, like, like your book moved by compassion. Like that's what it's meant to do is like to move you, to move you mentally, spiritually, physically, you know, and I don't know. It's just, I do know it. I, I just have so much to say. <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about it. <laughs> no, you <laughs> should say it. But... <laughs> you know what the thing is, is that, you know, I think it was, oh, I don't even know if this is the right statistic, but it it was a lot of people. I want to say 70 to 80% of people your age um, don't think that church is important. Yeah. 
And the reason why they don't think church is important is because they see the world doing more than what they see the church doing. Yeah. And it's, it almost feels like for me, it never felt like a show growing up. Mm -hmm. It never felt not saying like my church was like the best church growing up, but for me, it was like, I, that's the only place I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the series of events happened where there was just selfish decisions made and mm-hmm. leaders who were not doing the Lord's work per se. Yeah. And um, what you were saying earlier, how people, they stop coming because a certain leader left like, Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like. It can make you feel sorry. abandoned. It just like opened up my eyes. Yeah. Just so much. I don't mean, I'm the host. I'm sorry. I'm crying. No, I. it's okay. You know, I think if I can be so bold as to assert what you're, what you're feeling, but really it feels like abandonment because there's people there who you thought were your family, people who loved you. I mean, I have been through similar, I, you know, I know I've made mistakes as a leader, so I'm not innocent in anything that even happened at the church that I was previously at. Like there's definitely things that the Lord had to deal with me on too, but I, I can appreciate how you feel because it felt like these are my spiritual moms and dads and they're, they left me. They're not here anymore. And I'm just going to declare in the name of Jesus that this internet works right now. This is unex- This is not okay. Lord, please, please just make this all work. So Alexa can have her. Oh, there you are. Okay, okay. there you go. There All you right, go. I was just praying. Yes, <laughs> um, but I, I really felt like I had been abandoned yeah. by my spiritual moms and spiritual dads and my friends who I thought that we were family. We had all grown up together, and they didn't trust me, and they didn't care enough to have a conversation with me or whatever it was. And it's very traumatic. you know, and that it's hurtful. Yeah. Um, And I had to walk through that. I had to ask the Lord, okay, well, what was my part? What do I need to repent of? What areas do I need to be matured um, and grown? Um, But the other part of it is the inner healing, which is forgiveness and forgiving people because those leaders and those people that left, they were all operating out of a part of them that still had brokenness. Yeah. that the Lord needs to heal. You know, yeah. a lot of times when you have like a domineering leader or something like that, it's really rooted in insecurity. Yeah. They assert to control because they're afraid of failure or they're afraid that people will find out like that imposter syndrome, like that maybe they're not as good as they people think they are or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, and people leave because they don't like change um, makes them feel afraid. Um, or maybe it triggers in them something from their childhood. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons, but it's something that has a deeper spiritual root 
Um, and I think that that's where we can find compassion is when we, we try to understand people's stories instead of making up stories that mean something about us, like that they didn't care about us or they, you know, they don't love me enough or whatever it is. It's not really even about us. Most people are acting out of, out of whatever is driving or motivating them. It often never has to do with the other person, (laughs) you know? Um, So Anyways, I want to encourage you in that. I'm sorry that that happened. I can really appreciate how painful and hard that is. Yeah. Um, but the Lord will restore yeah. the things that have been lost. And and hopefully, um, you know, sometimes the Lord just moves people around and it's going to position your church to be in a better in a better place, too. Yeah. I think the point is that we can always trust him no mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah, I think it's, I think our church is getting back to that. It's mm-hmm. just like you're saying, I I feel like I haven't worked through that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I've been trying to, but it's almost like I don't allow myself because it's not anything that like, I don't want to say like it was a poor me situation or that I was sad for myself or, you know, like the feeling of abandonment. I think it was, I did feel that, but I felt more like, that they had abandoned God. Yeah. And that like, that broke me more, you know, because we were told to build such this solid foundation and for him, for him and Mm -hmm. to watch people that you like looked up to choose more simple choice than like the way that they should have, you know, Mm -hmm. was like just really discouraging. And you know, I mean, it's not about the glitzy glammy for me for church. It's just like, it's the heart behind it, you know? And I felt like for a while and maybe I was just young, but it just felt like we were so involved that there was this, this heart that like, Mm -hmm. when you walk through the door, it's like, you could feel God. And I think I'm just still searching for that feeling that was lost. And that's why I feel like I love my church and like, whoever's listening, if you're, you go to my church, like, there's good people I just feel like as a society as a whole society of the church like we've just lost that ability to just truly dive in and love people like we should either out of we're scared or dare I say laziness or just like I don't know so yeah it's I mean it could be all of that you know yeah um fear to be vulnerable, fear that we're not going to measure up, taking on false responsibility, um, that it's our job to fix people when it's not our job is to just point them towards Christ. Um, It can be a lot of different things, Um, you know, but at the end of the day, there's people who are dying and they're not going to heaven. Yeah. And so there's a real cost Um, You know, the other thing that I talk to pastors about is the the concept of union, that we're one with Christ, Mm -hmm. that we abide in him, we're connected to the vine. And so in in going through that that process with the Lord to really understand what that looks like in every day, you really get to this point where you 
oh, how do I want to explain it? it it's all about him and it's not about you. Like yeah. Jamie can't write a book. <laughs> Jamie can't, <laughs> um, you know, have a coaching company. I could not have done that. The Lord did that. Yeah. I just had to give him my yes. Yeah. And so that's, I think the new wine or the new oil that the Lord wants us to get to as a church is that it, all of this stuff, how we love one another, how we love people outside the church, how we fight against these things that are happening in our country and in the world, um, these agendas, and you can fill in the blank, whatever you think that is. I have opinions <laughs> about what I think it is, but whatever. <laughs> All yeah. of that stuff isn't addressed with addressed by sermons and pulpits and protests and articles and whatever it it's addressed through our own intimacy with the Lord and everything else should be an overflow of that. Yeah. Because when we do it on our own, it's always going to be flawed. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. And, and the other thing I want to also say too, like, I love the church like that, yeah. you know, in my book, I talk about in one of the chapters, what really has instilled compassion in me is the people who were in my family and in my church community that loved my family. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I, I grew up like we were adopted for Christmas there were times when I had nothing but a jar of mustard in my fridge. In fact, one of the healings that God had to do in me, he, he showed me a vision of a kitchen. I, I remember because I remember this. Uh, this is when I was going through the process of healing from scarcity mindset. And he showed me, um, he took me back to that kitchen that had nothing in the fridge, nothing in the cupboards. I mean, my mom had four kids. She's a single mom. Yeah. And um, he showed me how he filled, he will fill all those cupboards in that refrigerator, hmm. you know, which doesn't seem like a big deal. But for me, that was so traumatic growing up like that in a house where you didn't know if you were going to eat. You didn't know if, you know, your um, electric bill was going to get turned off, if we were going to be evicted one day. Um, yeah. You know, we just didn't. We didn't know. And so um, the Lord really healed that. And so anyways, all that to say, it's not because of anything that I did to get to this. It's all the people that invested in me, loved me, helped my mom, helped me. Um, You know, in fact, when I graduated from college, I had a party, which I don't like parties. I don't actually like to be the center of attention, even though I have a very public facing business. It's it's out of my comfort zone. Um, but my my mom and my best friend, they were like, you have to have a party. It's such a, you know, accomplishment. But I ended up making it a party to I invited all the people that helped me in my journey. And I use that to like honor them because I couldn't have done it without Kathy or my mom or my sister or my mother-in-law, all these people that like watched my kids or took them for a couple hours so I could write a paper. Or, you know, I remember one weekend my husband went up North with my kids and I 
was crying about writing this chapter in my book <laughs> and I just felt stuck. And, you know, Kathy and Brad brought me, um, brought me dinner that night because Aww. I just couldn't even muster up the energy to cook for myself or do anything. And they were like, you just need a break. Let us bring you dinner. And we're going to sit with you, pray with you, encourage you. You know, those, um, those connections are what make us who we are. Yeah. Um, so I love the church. I love every person that I go to church with and that I don't go to church with anymore. Um, when I say these things about wanting to change, it's it's really kind of out of that loving attitude of like, I know that you can be better. I know that yeah. God has so much more for, for this gift of community that he's given us. So yeah. um, this is all just, it's really a labor of love. So yeah. Anything that I said, that <laughs> seems like criticism for, I know you know this about me, but yeah. for people that are listening, it's not a criticism. It's just sort of like, I'm a very like, here's the problem. Here's the solution. Yeah. It's neutral for me. It's not good or bad or a judgment. It's just sort of like, no. here's where the problems are. Let's just focus on fixing the problems so that we can get to accomplishing the things that God has called us to accomplish. And like that you're good or bad yeah. or not worthy or not valuable. Yeah. It's just like, we all need to do a little bit better. Yeah. So and like, even for me, just listening and stuff, like, I don't think it feels like criticism. I think it feels like conviction. Mm. And like, um, you know, if anybody listening, like does have that, like, you know, even like putting up a wall and saying, well, I don't have time for this or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's, that's the Lord convicting you, you know, that's how I feel is like, you know, I put up this scenario that my husband's gone, um, two weeks out every month, he flies around the U S mm. and I'm, he's not here. And I have a one-year-old and, you know, I put up this, this is my saying, like, I have a, I have a one-year-old and I have to run this house by myself. I don't have time to mm. dive in. Like I'm, I'm diving into my family, but like, is that really what the Lord is wanting me to do? Like, why don't I do like a mom's group one day or something like that? You know, like just building relationships, like you're saying, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just really eye opening. It's not, we don't have to do these big things. We just have to be intentional mm -hmm. and yeah. relational. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. Um, what do you, where do you want, where do you see Move by compassion going like where do you want it to go oh gosh well <laughs> <laughs> everywhere <laughs> um i mean i would so this is truly like this is the i don't i've never even talked about this publicly so you'll be your this is your your scoop <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is your scoop so you know my husband he, this is really cool. So like when I was going through that program that I was telling you about in like yeah. 2019, 2018, 2019, sometime around there, um, the Lord had spoke to me and said, I, I want you and Rob are going to build a school in Rwanda, oh, wow. but he's like, don't tell Rob. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I just kind of wrote it and I, I kind of remembered it, but I kind of also like forgot about it a little bit. But then last year, Rob actually um, did the same program that I did, 
um, to discover his purpose. And God showed him a vision of him playing with kids and that there was a school. And what really stuck out to him was he knew he was in Africa, but that the soil was red. And so I was like, okay, Lord, red soil. So I started Googling like <laughs> red soil, Africa. Well, the biggest deposit of red soil has to do with, I think, metals in the dirt or something. I think it's iron or something. I can't remember. Okay. Um, is in Rwanda. Wow. And so he he's always had a heart for kids. He just has a soft spot for them. He he's so good with them. He's so patient. And so I I was like, hey, Lord, like, is it time to release that word to him now, you know, and he's like, yes. And so I pulled out my journal and I showed him how in 2019, how the Lord had told me that that's what we were going to do. So, and to answer your question about where do I see move by compassion, I move by compassion Academy is kind of like my tent making. I want to have a business that is, um, overflowed with churches, not because it's a personal gain to me, but because I want to see the kingdom grow. I want to see the church mobilized. I want to see healthy churches mobilized. Mm -hmm. um, I want to see uh, leadership teams restored. So a lot of the things that we work on in the, in the academy, like you were saying, you had leadership breakdowns at your church. I, I had a church that I was working with that they were probably where you were describing who they were all mad at each other. They were, you know, sick of some things that were happening or whatever. And God, through the inner healing that they did in the program, they are healed yeah. and they all work well. And their whole culture has shifted because they made the commitment to work on themselves. So I want to see as many churches as possible work with me so that I can help them heal and be mobilized into their community. Yeah. But the bigger picture of that is that it's providing finances so that my husband and I can build these other missional things. The other thing that my husband is called to in, in both of us actually is to help families stay together. And so um, in addition to that school, we want to work with families who give their children up for adoption. And we want to say, Hey, if you want to have, you want to keep your child and you giving them up for adoption is because you have barriers, like you need support so you can finish school or you need a home or you need whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We want to work with families to help address those barriers so that those kids can stay with their parents. That's awesome. Because that's what's best for them. So Move by Compassion is, yes, it's a ministry and it's helping churches, but it's also a way to sow into these other kingdom things that my husband and I want to do in our communities and in, in the world. Yeah. Um, so all of it, I mean, I guess, I don't know, that's where I kind of see it all fitting together. I, I see, I would love to be able to bring, to, to bring on other coaches and to mentor other people to help mentor churches and um, that all of that would just get built up. So it would, it would spread. I'd love to have a, a, a scholarship program. So like churches that have graduated that they sew in so that they can give scholarships to other churches who might not be able to afford to be a part of it, but want to be, um, you know, I've, the Lord's given me a big, big vision. Um, but 
I'm just trying to follow him one step at a time and give him my yes and let him worry about the rest of it. Yeah. You have all these big visions and you've already done so much, so many big things. So I guess my question to you is like, how did you get to there? (laughs) Saying yes to the Lord. Saying yes, prioritizing intimacy with him. Um, I, I, I need to get... I'm not going to say that I, I hundred percent am doing this now because it's something that I have allowed busyness to get in the way of, but I'm Mm -hmm. getting back to getting back on track with this. But I used to like go to breakfast with Jesus and I would just go to breakfast by myself, sit at a table and like just journal and just let the Lord talk to me. I really got to this point of like, I didn't even say anything. I was just like, Lord, what could I say? Like, what do you want to say? What do you want to tell me today? You know, <laughs> and I just have like journals and journals and journals of stuff. And even things like, I remember I did like a, he's like, I want you to write down a hundred things that you dream about that are the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. And I went and looked at it um, several months ago and I didn't even have to do anything. He gave me all the, a bunch of things that were on the list, not all of them yet, yeah. yet. Um, but just really prioritizing my time with him. That's, that's, I think how you get to where you want to go. Cause yeah. that's the place where not only does he give you instructions and strategy, but it's also the place where he will identify the lies and the limited thinking that we have about ourselves. Mm-hmm and reframe it and transform us because the bible says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind and Mm -hmm. so that means that we have to replace what we think our truth is with his truth yeah and so that's that's where i would say that's how you get there that alone time is is powerful Mm -hmm. and as moms we feel like we can i mean at least for me sometimes you can just get caught up in the mundane and Next thing you know, it's been a couple weeks before you've even opened the book or mm-hmm. even journaled something. And like I used to now I get up around five, but I used to get up at 4 a.m. because mm-hmm. it was just they were like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm not like I need to have this mm-hmm. before my before everybody else wakes up. Yeah. Before the day starts, you know, and like, I don't know, it's that's really good advice and just spending time with the Lord. Like it it sounds so simple, but it's, it's the, it's one of the hardest things I think a lot of believers Mm -hmm. can do or try to do. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I really feel like God wants to make it simple. I remember growing up in church and thinking, certainly it's not that complicated. It doesn't have to be this complicated to be a Christian, you know? Yeah. It can be simple. And, you know, Jesus said, um, you know, uh, what is that scripture where it talks about, um, you know, some will say to me, you know, that we cast out demons and we healed the sick and, and that Jesus said that, but I'll cast you and say, and, uh, cast you away and say, you know, I, I never knew you. Oh my gosh. My dad just preached on this past week. And literally just preached on this. not be known and to not know God, like, 
Yeah. Oh, that just, I, and so right away, my prayer is like, Lord, may I never be in a position where we don't know each other. Yes. Yeah. I'm like trying to look it up because I'm like, he literally just preached on this. What was his takeaway? Like, I mean, what was his interpretation or what, that, what did he share about it? Yeah. Of that verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, pretty much like the same thing. Like it's, uh, oh, it's in Matthew, I think. Yeah, I think it's like Matthew 20. Now, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in my heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's Matthew 7, 13. Or the 21, 21 through, through 2020. Yeah, I knew there was a 20 in there. I just sometimes I don't always remember the addresses of the scripture. No, yeah, same here. Yeah. That's so, so crazy because my dad just that's like what he was mainly preaching on this past week. And it just hit me. Yeah. He wants to know us. All of that, all of Jesus dying on a cross, all the like the stuff with Noah and Moses and Abraham. It was all about God wanting to be in relationship with us. Yeah. And so to think that we can go and do ministry in his name, but not prioritize time with him is just kind of yeah. crazy. And- Even though I'm guilty of it too. I'm not casting yeah. stones. But like, that's just, that's just crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's humbling because like, <laughs> you uh, we're doing the work for the Lord. Are we doing it for the likes and the shares and mm-hmm. the popularity of it too? You know? Um, okay. So my last and final question that I'm going to ask you is, is something that I ask everybody that comes on this podcast. What is one thing or many things that you want to tell other women? Oh, I want to tell other women that they are significant, that they matter, that there is greatness that lives inside of them, whether you are a, you know, you just, you work within your home or you work outside your home or you build things or you're just a, I don't want to say just, but no matter what you do, you are significant and you matter and you are deeply loved by God. Um, so much so that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Um, and he has gifted you with innate talents and um, strengths and skills um, so that you can fulfill the purpose that he has for your life. Um, and, and no matter how menial or how big that looks, it's significant. Um, and that you can do anything. You can do anything. If you're willing to trust yourself and trust the Lord, um, there's literally no limitations. In fact, one of my favorite Bible verses, let me find it. 
another heretical thing, I guess that I do, it's not really heretical, but I guess <laughs> in some circles it might be heretical is I like to read the passion translation of the Bible. It's not my main translation that I read, but sometimes I, I just like to cross reference things and, um, I really like the way that this verse is written in this translation, but it says, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. And so I think that that is the, the promise that I would love to impart to women is that, that God's mighty power is in work in you and uh, he will do so much more with your small yes than anything you could try to do on your own. Yeah, that was really great. But trusting yourself is a hard thing. Yeah, it is. I feel like we're taught not to. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially as women, mm -hmm. and if we're talking about in the church, there's been some really unhealthy culture and behaviors around women and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And um, there can be some struggles and barriers there. But I I remember going to see Havala Cunnington um, preach, and she she asked this question that stuck with me, which is, has God called you or man? Because if God has called you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. Wow. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't have a college education. It doesn't matter if you don't have a title. It doesn't matter if you've, you know, raised kids for 30 years and never worked outside the home a day in your life. It doesn't matter. If God has called you, then you're qualified. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah. Well, Jamie, I could talk to you all night. <laughs> I know. Well, let's not make this our last conversation. Yes. Yes. I would love to have you back on. And honestly, we just need to talk more outside of this too. But yeah, this is so good. Um, is there anything else you want to say about this topic? Or No, I mean, I guess, I mean, if people want to connect with me, That's I'm on Facebook. So um, if you just... Uh, go to facebook.com forward slash author Jamie Lindsay. Um, you know, you can, you can find me there. And um, I have a Facebook group that you can join once you get on that site. And I try to do Facebook lives often, but I'm in a season of the Lord reprioritizing my time, but I try to post as often as I can. But um, if this resonates with you, I would love for you to be a part of my community and to um, connect with me. Because yeah. it's going to take all of us. It's not even about me. You know, I'm just sharing what I learned, but that doesn't mean I know everything. Don't tell yeah. my husband, but I don't. <laughs> <know everything>. uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. And um, actually, uh, Kathy and I always have a joke, like whatever I don't know, she does and vice versa. So together, <laughs> we know <Yeah>. everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll put uh, so. all this in the show notes too, where to find you, where to contact you and whatnot. Are you just on Facebook then? Um, no, I'm, I'm on Instagram too, okay. under Moved by Compassion Academy okay. and on Twitter. So I'll send you all that stuff so you can, yeah. you can put, put that in there. But um, 
I'm not as good about posting on some platforms than others, but I'm pretty consistent on Instagram and Facebook. So, <laughs> you know, it's a work in progress. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm really prioritizing my family. And if yeah. I get things done, I get things done. If I don't, I don't. But, you know, they're my first ministry. So yeah. they come first. One day you'll have a team and they'll do all the posting. That's for right. You. That's right. <laughs> Well, it was so great to have you on, Jamie. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And um, you really, I know you've inspired me and I know you've, you're going to inspire so many other people. So thank you for the work that you've done and whatnot. So, Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for asking me to be a part of what you're doing. I know you're <laughs> going to inspire many people too. Well, thank you. You're thank welcome. You.